Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Welcome. Welcome to this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show, where we're going to be diving into a couple of promises from God's Word. Today we're going to start in we're going to start in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua. And then I think we're going to jump to the New Testament and look at a verse in 2 Corinthians. And so I am Jan Elbert. I'm your host, the host of the Burt Not Ernie Show. Obviously, my last name is Burt, so I'm a Burt, not an Ernie. Um, and the reason the show has that title is because Part of knowing who you are, according to God's word, is knowing who you're not, who you are not. You need to not listen to your enemy's lies and always reset mentally with what the word of God has to say about you. Knowing who you are and believing God's promises are true for you and appropriating them and living the abundant life that Jesus promised us has a little bit to do with knowing who you are and a little bit to do with knowing who you are not. So I'm here to just share a little bit of that with you. All right. Um, I got to start this off by saying the verse that I'm about to read to you from Joshua, from chapter tw- 23, it's it's really one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, in the entire Bible. Every, every single time that I get to this part of God's word, when I'm just following my daily Bible reading plan, when I get to this part of Joshua, boy, I get fired up. I get fired up. First... I love Joshua. He is a really powerful character sketch, and he was profound, profound as a leader. This is the guy that took over from Moses. Uh, them's, them's pretty big shoes to try and fill. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine stepping into the leadership role right after Moses. Wow. Um, and Joshua, uh, Joshua did not pull punches when he was dealing with people that, that he was placed in charge of. He was put in a position of leadership over people who maybe were not the the easiest people to be led, right? That Enneagram 5 in me just kind of resonates with Joshua's story, I think. Maybe that's my guess. So, But I love Joshua. Let's read Joshua 23, verse 14. We're going to read the tail end of that verse, like parts, um, the, second, the second parts there, B and C. I'm going to read it from the NLT, the New Living Translation, and I may... Yeah, when I get to 2 Corinthians a little later, I'll read that from the Amplified most likely. So here is what Joshua 23, 14 says in the New Living Translation, and I will put this in the show notes. It says, deep in your hearts, you know that every promise of the Lord, your God, has come true. Not a single one has failed. Deep in your hearts, you know that every promise of the Lord, your God, has come true. Not a single one has failed. There's an exclamation point right there at the end. Like Joshua is putting just some extra emphasis right there on this already really strong statement. I mean, he starts out by saying, deep in your hearts, you know. 
if somebody says to me deep down in your heart, Jan, you already know this to be true, they're they're speaking to me from a place of like passion, right? So Joshua is passionate about this, and then he ends it with not a single one has failed. Exclamation point! Boom! He is really emphasizing this. So here's Joshua, this amazing great leader of biblical proportions, like literally, literally, he is a giant among men. Um, and he is a historical figure that is worth studying and learning from. He is giving his last words to the people that he had spent his entire life pretty much. His entire adult life had been spent loving these people, leading them, caring for them, ministering to them. These are these are the ones that he had so valiantly led. He was a valiant leader. Verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 23 tells us that he was old and he was advanced in age. And the first part of verse 14 has Joshua saying he's about to die. So if you want to know where I'm getting my idea that he's older and that these are some of his last words, that's kind of where I'm forming that from. It seems like he's indicating this is about the end of my life. Here's what I want to share with you before I leave this earth. So listen, you know, at the end of a person's life, when they've been along for, I mean, been alive for a long time, if they've been living on this planet for quite some time, for any number of years, after they have seen and heard and experienced a whole lot of things, a person's last words are the ones that we ought to really very carefully take heed of. Like, take some good notes from someone's last words. Pay attention. This is when it's time to really lean in and listen, listen well. It's like the coach giving you the very last bit of wisdom before the championship game during your senior year and he's not going to be your coach anymore. It's that's what that's what this is like only it's way more important than a championship game your senior year of high school. Joshua is saying to us, "Listen up, listen up." These are not the words of somebody who is like maybe a cocky, overly optimistic 20-year-old young man cuz sometimes when you're in your 20s, you don't really understand that death comes for us all, life is full of hardships and dangers. You can feel very invincible. And you can have an optimism that comes from, um, you know, optimism is wasted on the young in many ways. That's a saying that's true only because it's not wasted. So God puts it there at that time in their life uh, because they get things done. And if they're believers, they get things done for the, the kingdom of God simply because they don't know enough to know that they can't get things done. And so that's a good thing. But sometimes optimism, we get a little older and we're not talking and sharing our, what we've learned, our life experiences from that place. It can seem a little bit cocky and overly optimistic. Uh, that was not Joshua. He was not 20 years old. No, nope, nope, nope. These are the words of a nation's well-respected, highly honored, seasoned, and wizened, and beloved leader who had called all the people together to share these words with them at this moment in time. Verse 2 tells us that he had called all the leadership and all the citizens together. So the speech, that's that's where I'm getting that from. So this speech that Joshua's giving, it was for every single person. So it's also for you and for me. It can, If it's in God's word, all of God's word is fruitful and beneficial for admonition and for growth and for training in righteousness. We know that to be true from the New Testament. Paul wrote that in one of his epistles. I think it was to Timothy, probably 2 Timothy. I'd have to look it up. But that is the word of God telling us that every other part of the word of God is useful and beneficial for training us in holiness and righteousness and our sanctification. So Joshua 
saying this to every single person means it's also for you, for me, for us, for all of us right now. We can get something from it if we choose to. So Joshua is prepping these people for a big transition. For him, the transition was he was going to step into the presence of of the Lord. For Israel, the transition was more like passing of the torch. Um, This was going to be a time of national mourning. And they all knew it. They all knew it. They all knew this intense mourning time was going to come upon them. He for sure, for sure he wanted to ward off any of their fears about the future. Look, when there's a really big transition, the fear can just come right in in those exact moments. It's natural. Um, At the same time, it's also a work of the enemy that we need to guard against. So Joshua knew that fear was going to come. And he'd seen it firsthand. When Moses died and he stepped into that leadership role, I'm sure he saw fear um, rearing its ugly head, so to speak. And so he, I know he wanted to ward off any of their fears about their future because that's just what he would, what he would have wanted to do for them. God did that for Joshua during his time of big transition. Look back to Joshua chapter one. You could see some things maybe even in the end of Deuteronomy. God spoke to Joshua encouragement, telling him to be bold and to be brave and to be courageous and not to be afraid. Joshua was just, was passing that on to them. He didn't want them to be afraid. God did not want them to be afraid. And so Joshua, whose heart was so for the Lord, he did not want the people to be afraid. He wanted to assuage their fears the same way God assuaged his way back, I don't know, 40 years prior to that. Usually, usually the most important things in our lives are the things that we want to pass along to other people. So, I mean, I know I'm sort of guessing here. It's not like I know for sure what Joshua is thinking, but it's a very highly educated guess based on the reality of the whole counsel of the word of God that the Lord and Joshua did not want the people of Israel to be living in and acting out of fear because of this change that they were experiencing. I believe that Joshua would have been deeply desiring to cast off any and all fear that they were experiencing because that's what a good leader a good parent, a good God would do, right? God did that for Joshua. Joshua was a good leader, so he was doing that for the people. So the pass the torch to the next generation time has come. And Joshua is reminding the people of Israel that God has already very greatly blessed them. Verses 4 and 5 of chapter 23 of the book of Joshua are like a mini recap of all that the Lord had allotted to them and how he had given them so much during Joshua's lifetime, because he had. Uh, He's also telling them to keep up their courage. Keep up their courage. You can find that in verses 6 all the way through verse 11, which is a really solid piece of counsel for every single one of us, for all of us. It's um, Just think about that for a minute. God is saying to you today, hey, you, fill in the blank with your name. Hey, hey, you, keep up your courage. Keep up your courage. It's really important to the Lord that his children not live in or walk in fear. It really is. He addresses it literally hundreds of times in the word of God. Hundreds of times God tells us not to be afraid. Do not fear. Right? So whenever God gives repeated space in his precious book, in the Bible, to one topic over and over again and again, that's an indicator of exactly how important it is to him. If it's that important to God that we not live our lives in any sort of fear, then we need to make it equally important to us as well. We need to make every effort 
as Christ followers to not live in and to not act out of fear. Now, okay, so if that seems like too lofty a life goal, like to say, I can't think about not living in fear for the entirety of my whole life. Are you crazy? Okay, okay, I get that, I get that. But you can make it your goal for today, for one day. I think you can make it your goal for one week. That's a bite-sized goal that every single Christ follower should be able to accomplish. That's totally doable, especially since you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you to help you not to live in fear. And you stack up enough days and weeks where you live fearlessly, guess what? That's a life lived without fear. And that's a beautiful thing. So you can try that. Just try it. And, you know, double dog, derriere, whatever little boys like to say, just to live one day without fear. Wake up tomorrow morning and say, nope, every time I feel fearful, I'm going to reject it in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to drive on in faith and choose not to fear. And just see what a change it makes, because I think it'll make a good change. I think it'll make a positive change. It'll be for your benefit because it'll bring you a lot more faith and draw you closer and closer to the Lord. And that's that's an enormous blessing. When The closer we get to the Lord, anything that keeps me farther from the Lord, I want to get rid of. And I want to grab hold of the things that draw me closer to the Lord. So when I deal with fear in my own life, I part of why I do it, a big motivator for me is that I know I'm going to be closer to the Lord. And that's worth it. That's worth it to me. So, okay, sorry, that was an aside, but... Uh, it's it's not really a shocker to see Joshua reminding the people of Israel to do what God has already told them to do. That's not shocking. That's just, that's what a good leader would do. And he also warns them really sternly not to be drawn into the worship of the cultural gods with a tiny, itty-bitty little letter G. Little G gods that reveal, that tiny letter G reveals how utterly powerless all little G gods actually are. No pagan God worship was tolerable to the Lord. No pagan little G God worship was tolerable to the Lord. It just wasn't. Uh, and there, there were no idols of the nations that engaged in things like child sacrifice, mass murder, gross, destructive, sinful immorality. Those things were not to be combined with the Lord God Almighty's chosen people. He did not want them exposed to that or involved in that. He just didn't. They were implicitly told to flat out drive out all the little G God worshiped. There was no room. God said, there's no room. You worship me and I take up all the space that's available inside of you and in your whole world. I will not share it. There's not enough room to share it with a little G God because he knew that people are fickle. He knew what would happen. There's just nothing good that was going to come from that. We're not going to go into all that, but he did. They were told implicitly drive out all the little g god worship period no exceptions so that means for me today for you today that period is still there there are zero exceptions for us either we cannot just be bowing down to idols that our society bows down to we can't serve whatever false gods society serves a good reminder And even like a solid reprimand is sometimes in order. Sometimes we need that. When this stuff is taking place among the people of God, well, you know, look, I get it. It's really hard to be the big mouth. Sometimes I feel like I'm just a loud mouth reprimander. um, And I wish, but I don't like it. But you know what? I wish that we were better at it as a body. I would be, I would be less broken if 
I had more people who would say, I need to reprimand you right here. You got a little G God in your life that's getting in the way, you know, because I, I need help. I need help. So I'm speaking from a place here where I can say it's hard to be the one doing the reprimanding, but I need to be on the receiving end of the reprimanding at times. Just when people see false idols in my life that maybe I don't even see are being slowly elevated to a status that's not okay, where they're taking up space that belongs only to the God, the Lord God of heaven's armies. I'm grateful, maybe not in that exact moment, but in the end, I'm grateful for people who speak up and do the hard thing. So if you're one of those people who steps up to a fellow believer right in their mess, because we all have messes. If you step into that mess and you say, hey, I just, I love you too much. And I love God way too much to not tell you this. So I'm going to tell you this with a great amount of love. If you're one of those people, hats off to you. Thank you for being that person. I know how hard that is. It's so hard. It can feel like it can feel like your own heart is being ripped out when you do that. The pain it causes other people, you can feel that same pain. It's gut-wrenching. But so you know, thanks for doing that if you're one of those people. That's the hard work of Christian living. Restoring a brother or a sister is hard work, but wow, it's such worthy work. So thank you if you do that. Okay. I'm going to jump to verse verse 8 now. In Joshua 23:8, the NLT, rather cling tightly to the Lord your God as you have done until now. I really love this verse. Hold fast, cling tightly to the Lord your God. The older I get, the more these words mean to me. We we have to do this. Just hold on for dear life to Jesus. And he reminds me, he re, what Joshua does here is he's reminding the Israelites how no one, and I do mean nobody, has been able to stand against them. This is profound. This is profound. Nobody has been able to stand against, to resist the Israelites. Read verse 9 for more on that. And in verse 10, he restates a promise that God gave them originally back in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 7 verse 24 and Deuteronomy 11 verse 23. I will put those verses in the show notes and I will probably quote them in both the New Living Translation and the Amplified, so you can read them two different ways. So God repeated this in two places. He promised them that no one would be able to stand against them, and then he delivered. He delivered. So in Deuteronomy, which that's a book that Moses wrote, it's part of the Pentateuch. It's a really important section of the Word of God to Jewish people, to those of who are of the tribe of Judah, when all the tribes got mixed together and they didn't, they were sent into exile different times and they no longer knew what their original tribe was. They just became uh, from the tribe. They were, they were Jews from, from, based from the line of Judah, which is the line that Jesus came from. That's his, his lineage. So that's really important to them. So it was referenced twice by Moses. And then Joshua circles back around and says, God did it. God did it. Nobody ever stood against you. So when God repeats something, right, like I said before, that's when we need to pay attention. So this is something he says on repeat. When he repeats one of his promises to us, we need to listen anytime he repeats something. But when God repeats a promise to us, we really, really need to pay attention. That is the equivalent of a billboard in the Bible sense. And it's a road sign. It's a guidepost for us. No matter where we're at on on this road of life, it's a guidepost. It's a road sign. It's a billboard. This is the wisdom that that we really have to have, that we need in those times of change or upheaval or transition. So when you see a promise in the word of God, especially a promise that you know you've read somewhere else in the word of God, you need to take the time to ask, 
What does this mean for me? What does this mean for me? And then listen to what the Holy Spirit would speak to you about that promise. I'm, wow. Um, yeah, I'm going to share those two verses in the show notes. But I think Deuteronomy has so much going on. I'm not going to deep dive into those verses in Deuteronomy, but I'm sure there will be future podcasts where verses from Deuteronomy are touched on because it's a really, it's a great book. Verse 11 of Joshua here in this this chapter 23 that we're in, it says, it sort of lays out a condition or a qualifier to this promise. So it says to take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Okay, so hey, I, that's the question I have to ask myself and hopefully you'll ask yourself. Am I taking careful heed? Am I really loving the Lord my God well? Am I loving God well? It's a great, a great question that kind of digs down into what's going on inside of you and it can get rid of some of the fluff and cut right down to the heart of the matter. The or else in this promise comes in verse 12 and it's a warning. It's a warning not to go backwards, not to cling to the pagan routines and notions and ways of um, anything that they might have brought with them from Egypt that their parents maybe taught them or anything that they might learn when they walk into this new land and they're surrounded by people who don't live the same way that God has instructed his people to live. He says that those those will become snares and traps and scourges and thorns and will cause them to perish. You can read about that in verse 12 and 13. That's, That's pretty much that. That's that. But it's also a promise of sorts. So like it's a warning, but it's also a promise because um, if God says it's going to, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. That is a promise, but this is not a happy promise that we are hoping, yay, we want this to prove true in our lives. No, no, no. It's not a happy promise, but the thing is, it's totally up to us. God promises the result of turning to pagan little tiny baby G gods is all this terrible stuff. We don't want this promise fulfilled for us. We do not. Which, which way will we have it? Which way will we have it? Yay or nay? God's best or not God's best. Don't be marrying off. Don't be wedding yourself to the wrong things. Don't marry yourself or wed yourself to the wrong things. This is crazy relevant for us today. This isn't just thousands of years ago when Joshua was walking around on the earth as the leader of Israel. This is for us today. We marry ourselves to things all the time. We do it all the time couple of quick examples that I know you'll recognize and relate to are binge watching something on Netflix that you know good and well you should never sit down and watch and yet you're binge watching a whole season. Yeah, no. What about when you pawn your kids off? We pawn our kids off to electronic devices and we let that be the babysitter and we don't parent at all. We don't even really know what they're doing on there and we don't really even care because we've just pawned them off. Those are examples of ways that we're perishing We're perishing from the good land that the Lord has given us. We're trading out his best blessings for what's basically like trash, the equivalent of garbage. We're we're too much, I want you to hear this now, we're too much like the Roman Empire in this way. We're too much like the Roman Empire in that we trade so much just to be entertained. We trade so much just to be entertained. Folks, so much of the time entertainment It's just a trap. It's a trap. Now we're going to look at verse 14 in this book, Joshua 23, 14, back to uh, right about where we, our main focus was on this verse. So now we get to the verse of promise here. Joshua tells him he's about to die. 
He sternly reminds them of all the powerful truths that they, that they really ought to know by heart now, but he's still reminding them yet one more time. Kind of sounds like parenting sometimes, right? None of God's promises, not one, not one has failed. And not one of them will ever, ever fail you or me either. Ain't going to happen. Can we, well, I hope this doesn't sound too harsh. And if it does, that's okay. I'm just going to say it anyway. Can we not get it together enough to just flat out believe again? Can we not get it together enough to believe again? That is my really big and really bold prayer today for all of us. For you to choose to really live believing again. Okay, so uh, yeah, I'm glancing at my time here. This is a bit longer episode than I thought it would be. So I'm going to quote the verse from 2 Corinthians from the Amplified. And then I'm going to, I'll do next week's podcast on 2 Corinthians as kind of a part, part B of this episode. So here's what it says in the Amplified. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For as many as are the promises of God in Christ, they are all answered yes. So through him, we say our amen to the glory of God. Uh, There's a lot there. There's a lot for us to look at next time. Check out the show notes down below for some verse references if you need them. And thank you so, so much for listening to this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. You can, as always, you can sign up for my email newsletter down below. You can visit my site, Titus 2 Discipleship with Jan L. Burt. It's the home of my members only group, sort of like a basically like a mastermind for, it's not just for studying God's word, it's for taking God's word and just applying it to every part of life. That's what I do with the Bible in my life. And that's what I do in my mastermind, my member group. So it's kind of like Christian life coaching. I'm not a huge fan of the term life coaching, but I am a huge fan of taking the word of God and making it applicable to your whole life. So that's why I say it's kind of like Christian life coaching. Uh, we do a study of the month. We have some activities and giveaways in our Facebook group. And then I have archived all of the older studies. So you never you never lose anything. You have access to everything. Also, you can find me on Instagram um, and Facebook. Just look for Titus 2 Disciple Jan Burt and you'll find me. Let's see. Um, wow. Oh, I almost forgot. I have a new opportunity that's going to be coming up soon where I may be opening. Well, I think I'm going to do it. I shouldn't say maybe I'm going to open up the opportunity to have you help me as I'm building. I'm working on this course on God's promises. And I just felt like I wanted to add a little more to it. And so what I would like to do is see what people want to know about God's promises and how, what, what ways would, what would it bless you most? What do you want to know about God's promises? What would encourage you and grow you in your faith and stretch you and help you to believe his promises more and more. So I'm probably going to be opening up a group on Facebook. It'll be a private group, but it'll be a free group where you can kind of share with me what would bless you the most. As I I had the course built and I thought, you know what? No, I'm not going to finish it yet. I'm going to go ahead and add something. I'm going to see what people have to say because I want to know. I just want to know what other people would be most blessed by. So that'll be coming soon. So Lord bless you. I am really excited that you've spent this time with me today. Uh, If you leave a review or maybe share this via, via your social media platform, that would be just like super fantastic. So thanks for listening and I will catch you next time. Bye bye. 
I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.